What's up? What's up? Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Keep Battle Podcast, and I'm Keep Battle. I'm so thankful for your support. Thank you for tuning in each week, and uh, appreciate you uh, giving feedback. You can go to my website, sagacitycompany.com, S-A-G-A-City.company, spelled out, .com, and uh, let me know what you think, any topics you want uh, information about, and uh, check out our resources there on, on the website. Today, I'm excited because we got a man who pretty much modeled his basketball game after me. Most people don't know that, that I'm, you know, really the player he, he you know, molded his game after. Um, <laughs> and uh, ever since then, his game is elevated. But no, seriously, I'm excited today. We got Bradley Bill of the Washington Wizards with us today. Bradley E. Bill. What's the E for, Brad? Emmanuel. Ema- I knew that. Bradley Emmanuel Bill is on the podcast. What's up, man? My man. How you doing? You good? I'm great. Never better. My man, man. Thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Let's 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 talk about family, man. Let's talk about father. You got your your little boy taking over social media. <laughs> what's it what's it like being a dad, man? How's that impacted you? Uh, there's nothing like it. You know, I, I credit God every day. Uh, we found my wife and I fit to be able to have a child. And, you know, I'm even more ecstatic that, you know, my firstborn was a, was a boy. So, um, right. it's just, you know, I embrace it every day. You know, it definitely changed me for the better, um, you know, on and off the floor. And, you know, it's just amazing to just see his growth every single day. You know, he's walking now at 10 months. And uh, it's just it's just a constant it's a blessing, man. I just, I just cherish it every moment I can. That's, that's deep. You know, I hear, I've heard people say that, um, that having a child changes you on and off the court. Is that just something, is that just a cool thing to say? Or can you really like, can you elaborate on that? How's it really impacted your life like that to that degree? Uh, I feel like I'm more disciplined. I'm more focused. I'm more, you know, motivated to do things and get jobs done and get my goals achieved, you know, because now, you know, everything that you did up to this point, you know, you were doing for yourself, you know, and now you have, you know, somebody who's going to look up to you, you know, in the social media and the technology world that we live in today, you know, everything that we see and do, um, you know, he's going to have access to. So um, everything is under a microscope for me as is, but, you know, it's even, you know, even more magnified now that I have a, a son. So, um, you know, if he wants to follow down my path or, you know, whatever his career may be, you know, I have to make sure that I'm doing everything, you know, the correct way and, you know, as best as I possibly can. Great, great, great. So let's talk about when you were growing up mm-hmm. as a kid. Did you always want to play professional sports? And if so, at what age did it seem like it was more than just a dream, but it was like, this 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 thing is going to really happen. When when tell me about uh, your childhood and what your dreams were, and when it became like, oh man, this is this might this is really about to go down. It's crazy because I always tell people um, I was a nerd in school, so like I love school. I was I was smart at a four in elementary, middle school, and high school, and mm-hmm. even in college. So it was just school was all for me. I was all about it, and. You know, one of my biggest 
goals and what I wanted to be in life was either play professional sports, whether football or basketball, or be a doctor. And so I was on the path of being a doctor. I studied biology pre-med at the University of Florida. So that was, I was on path to, you know, to, to be a doctor. That's what I really wanted to be. But I was blessed and gifted um, to be able to play sports and play football and play basketball. And uh, I kind of knew that it was, it was for sure a, uh, I kind of knew it was for sure a, I was able to get to the next level when I was in high school, my senior year in high school playing basketball. Um, it was, it was unbelievable. I was averaging 30 plus points and was ranked top five in my, in the class of 2011 and I ended up doing one year in college. And sure enough, I'm here. I am in DC, you know, eight years later. That's amazing, man. I would have never known. I didn't know you were, you know, your desire was to be a doctor. And mm-hmm. so all this stuff kind of, shifted in your senior year like that's when it really like because you were you were playing before that but you're saying in your senior year when your stock went up that's when the nba became a more of a real real possibility or probability yeah for sure uh because during that point it was one and dones were really it was popular you know it was right then that's when they had just incorporated the rule like a few years before that you were able to go out of high school so I think if the rule was still going out of high school, I would have went out of high school if it was still granted, if we were granted that permission. But mm. it's uh, it was it was definitely a journey I enjoyed, and you know it's still amazing to this day. I still want to go back and go to school and finish school because I haven't finished. So uh, it's like now I'm still I'm sitting down trying to diagram what I want to do, and I know I can't go to school for another eleven years and try to be a doctor. That's just ooh, that's a lot of work, but. Um, you know, I'm dedicated to getting it done and, you know, however, however it shapes up, you know, I'm going to be dedicated to, to make sure it's, it's completed. Wow. What, what kind of doctor did you plan on being? What kind of medicine did you plan on practicing? Oh, it was, it was either I wanted to be a surgeon in what area or category. I have no idea, um, but I knew I wanted to be a surgeon and it was either that or be like a a simple sports therapist, you know, and just stay in the sports field. So that was kind of my plan B. You know, if I wasn't going to be a, a doctor, you know, something that you know that was going to be my full time occupation, I was going to do like sports therapy to just stay in the sports room and, um, you know, be involved in that in that aspect as well. Still, nice, nice, nice. So, whenever I've seen you be interviewed, and anybody that's seen you do an interview, post game interview. Before you answer the first question, you always say, first giving praise and honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start doing that? Why do you do it? And, and what's been your experience as a result of it? Uh, when I started doing it, I have no idea. I want to say... Hmm, I want to say back to college, but then again, I don't want to go back. I don't think it was that far back. But mm-hmm. I knew I knew for sure doing it in the NBA. Like my my parents, my parents told me to do it. My mom specifically, she was like, just always make sure that you you know who you glorify before you give yourself praise. You know, because the first thing that you know the person with the microphone does, you know, they they praise you. You know, and, and mm-hmm. you know having a good game for you know uh, whatever the case may be, and you know, and it's always it, for me. It's like kind of shifting the attention off of me first giving glory to God because without him, we wouldn't even be here. We wouldn't even be standing right here. So, you know, just to be able to be blessed, you know, to be able to 
play this game and, you know, play it injury free and, you know, him to be able to bless me to utilize my talents at the highest level. You know, that's that's where that saying comes from. And that's what the meaning is behind it. You know, and then I go into, you know, answering the question after that. I love it. I love it. Have you ever gotten any feedback about it from doing it? Anybody ever take notice of it or say anything to you about it? I noticed earlier in my career, people that in some interviews would be shorter than others. Some would. Sometimes I would not be interviewed, even if I had a good game. And Mm. it's kind of after a while, I realized that, you know, not everybody is comfortable with praising him you know, allowed, you know, in front of a big audience, in front of everybody, you know, so I think that's, it played a role, especially in the media role, because heck, not everybody serves God, not everybody serves my God, not everybody, you know, and some people don't even believe in him, so it's, I feel like in that aspect, the media kind of tries to control it, and, you know, they put out what they want to put out, and they don't want to kind of make the basketball game, uh, you know, about religion in a way or you know your spiritual life but you know we're all blessed to be here and i'm not ashamed to um you know to admit it and give him praise you know any given time of the day or wherever i am in in front of whoever whatever audience man i respect that i appreciate that about you and i'm i i know you said before your mother taught you how to shoot Mm -hmm. but she also taught you you know what to do in an interview man so big ups to moms for that do you have a game day routine? Is there like something you go through before every game? And if so, what's what's a typical day, game day like for you? Take us take us inside of Bradley Bill's world on game day. Uh, game day one. I mean, if we're starting early in the morning, it's wake up, eat breakfast, and um, you know at the facility, and then we go through shoot around and we leave shoot around. I go home and take a nap, depending on the time of the day and depending on my mood. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, you know, I drive to the arena. First thing I do when I get in the car is I pray before I drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when I get to the arena safely, I'm, I throw my headphones on and I'm kind of locked in for the game. Uh, go through my routine. I stretch. I shoot. Um, and then I go to chapel. And, you know, that's that's the last thing I do before we head out to our last meeting before running onto the floor. So I make sure I get you know, a good 15, 20 minutes of the word in and, and I go out and and have my game after that. You know, I can say for sure, uh, having met, worked with chaplains or talked to chaplains across the league and, mm-hmm. and having been the chaplain with the Wizards for the last five years, I've missed more chapels than you have. In fact, I think <laughs> I can count on one hand how many chapels you've missed since you've been there. In fact, I remember one, you were in San Francisco one night on chapel because I called you. You had to go there for some, you were going to see a specialist or something. But like, Mm-hmm. I don't care what's going on. You always in there, whether you're hurt, you, you don't allow, you don't allow treatment to stop that or whatever. Like that's pretty special. And that's, that's around the league. People don't, you know, you go to chapel at every game, every city, every, so that's pretty cool, man. How, how difficult is it playing with constant rumors of trade talks concerning you? And, and uh, how do you keep that? from negatively impacting your performance? What's that like? Well, for everyone to know, I'm human just like everybody else. So mm-hmm. you know, I have feelings, I have emotions, and uh, it's not always the, the best feeling. You know, it, it isn't, uh, especially when you feel like, 
you know, this is your home. You know, this is what you've been calling home for the last seven years. And, you know, it's, but at the end of the day, you realize that it is a business, you know, every single year you see guys, you know, come and go, you know, guys who've been establishing their, you know, in their rightful, you know, drafted location for seven, eight years. And, you know, they end up getting, getting, get, get, get the boot at the end of the day. So, you know, at the end of the, when it comes in, when it's all said and done, I don't really, I don't pay attention to it. You know, at the end of the day, they're rumors, uh, you know, some are valid, some aren't. And, you know, you just have to let it play out however it plays out. You know, I always say that, uh, God is always going to put you wherever he wants you. So, uh, that's kind of how I approach everything, you know, try not to stress it and worry about it. You know, I'm in a great situation. Um, and I just feel like as long as my family's taken care of it, you know, I have no worries. So, so with that, because it is a business, has the business side of the game made it harder for you to stay in love with the game? Because, you know, being with the organization you've been with, there've been a lot of changes, roster changes, coaching changes, front office changes, player egos, politics, it's, it's, it hasn't been. And when you're not competing in the off, competing in the postseason, right. as you know, when you put all that together, has it made it harder to stay in love with the game? Um, I wouldn't say it's harder to stay in love with the game. Definitely. I see it happening. And a lot of the times when guys retire, they do say that it's because they don't love the game no more. But I definitely feel like those things are all stressors. Like they are difficult to handle. They're difficult to manage. And they kind of can push you away from the game. Like I feel like I wouldn't necessarily say take your love away from it, but like they, they carry such a heavy burden that, you know, it takes the fun away from the game. I would say, you know, it takes your excitement away from it. It takes your passion away. And especially on the business side of it, when you're, when you play the game that you've been playing since you were six, you know, um, you played it because it was fun. You played it because you were good at it. You played it because it, you were passionate about it. Um, you, you had fun. You played with your friends and everything like that. But when you get to the league, it's a business. It's your career. It's how you feed your family. And at the end of the day, it's you have to do what's best for you. And it's a dog eat dog world in the league. It, it's just plain and simple. That's what it is. And it's, it's definitely difficult when you have a bunch of things to manage. You got egos, you have teams not being successful. You have, you know, players you may or may not like a coach you may or may not like. So it's all a bunch of injuries that may occur. So there's a lot of things that you have to juggle and balance. And sometimes those things can be such a burden on you that, you know, you just kind of, you would just rather just step away from the game than, than go through. Mm. Yeah. So in your career, I've seen you professionally, You've improved every year. You continue to elevate your game. Your name is continuing to mention an elite status among the greats. What do you attribute your success to and what keeps you motivated to keep growing and keep improving? I always say God first. I always do. And um, because I understand where I come from, who I am, you know, and at the end of the day, he's blessed me with this unbelievable talent. And on the flip side, when he gives you something, you have to utilize it. You know, you have to perfect it. You know, you have to work at it. And I feel like that's what I've done with basketball. And every single year, somebody is always going to say that you can't do this, you can't do that. You need to get better at something. And every you can't get stagnant or comfortable with where you are. You have to always continue to strive to be better. 
and be better and be better and be better because if you're just comfortable you you won't achieve anything you'll just you either degress or you know you just stay the same and uh it's always fun and you know you get more out of it knowing that you know the battle will be tough but it'll all be worth it in the end knowing that you set just you set a high goal for yourself to reach it and achieve it and you know do whatever it takes to reach it so there's a part of that I consider you to be a very competitive person. We've had that conversation. Like, like I don't even, I don't even talk to you after after a loss. I just leave the arena. I don't even. Yeah, I just <laughs> you. You're just not that kind of person that sees uh, that wants to you know have any kind of conversation after that. Is that is that driving it too? Like, you know, every year is sixty new guys coming into the league trying to. You know, that's a tight space right there. It's not like we're talking about 450 million employees across the world. We're talking about 450 jobs. And like, do you do you find yourself more looking over your shoulder and say, who's trying to come up on me? Or are you looking ahead of you saying, who am I going after? It's always ahead of me. I can't like, I remember your type of service. You can't look at your rearview mirror. Why can't you look at your rearview mirror? Because what's in front of you, your windshield is a lot bigger than what's behind you. So mm-hmm. who's ever coming up behind me and, you know, coming up into the league? Yes, I know they're there, but I'm already ahead of you. I'm, I'm way ahead of you. And mm-hmm. there's somebody ahead of me in, in which I'm chasing and who I'm trying to beat and who I'm trying to – and where I'm trying to reach and get to. So I always – I'm always cognizant of what's, you know – you know what's coming into the league and you know you know me i have an aau team so it's something i break down to my kids all the time these kids are 13 to 17 boys and girls so i always remind them that it's only 400 jobs in the league like every single year you know there's a guaranteed 60 players coming in mm-hmm. every single year there's a guaranteed 60 players and coming in so somebody's going to be out of a job yep every somebody, year every single year somebody's going to be out of a job and uh, for me, that's that's a reminder in itself. That's that's a that's all I need. Just a simple math equation is four hundred people, sixty coming in every year. Like that enough. That's enough for me to just continue to push and grind and, and continue to be the best I can be, and making sure that I'm I'm always working on my game and always getting better. You know, granted I'm blessed and I'm healthy. I have a great team around me, great trainers around me, and you know I just can I just put the work in, and you know it's cliche, but hard work does pay off. I love it. I love it. I love it. So besides me, what great players have impacted the way you play? Have you been able to take parts of their games or add it to yours? Besides me, everybody already knows that you stole my game, but is there anybody whose game has influenced and impacted the way you play? I would say my favorite players growing up were Allen Iverson, Mm -hmm. Ray and Dwayne Wade. I was a fan of LeBron as well. Mm -hmm. I loved LeBron's leadership and how he always, he was the best player. Everybody knew he was the best player, but you as a teammate, he uplifted you when you were on the floor and I can always see that. And being an all-star two times and being on his team two times, I witnessed it. And it was something that I was, I definitely was, you know, I admired in a way. Um, and that, that probably was, it was just very unique. And, uh, is that why you wear number three? Partially. Because of Iverson and, for and, sure. uh, and Dwayne, D-Wade? For sure. Because I, for the first time, I told D-Wade that uh, our last game plan 
you know, that was like, he was one of my favorite players and just the way he attacked. And I picked those three guys because they each bring something different to the game. Like Allen Iverson's handles were probably top three best ever in the game. Like his approach and his heart and his passion, like being his size, that was something I loved in my life. D-Wade, the same thing. When he got into the league, people said he couldn't shoot, and then he develops a jump shot. But then again, you know, he didn't allow that to stop his game. He was one of the best at the Euro step. He was one of the best at getting to the basket, finishing at the rim. Um, and I feel like my body build is the same as D-Wade, so that's why I kind of I migrated towards him. And then Ray Allen is just, a, you know, the best shooter to ever touch a ball. You know, him, him and Steph. So... Uh, just growing up watching Ray Allen, watching his work ethic and just seeing how he shoots the ball. That was something I admire. My mom always taught me uh, the exact same principles. So uh, those are my three guys. Those are my go-to guys. And then LeBron and everything. Like LeBron was just a, a mix of of everything. You know, he's just an all-around player. I loved everything he did. You know, he, he loved defense. He loved being able to create for his teammates, getting his teammates involved and you know, just his everything that he brought on that aspect of the floor, I loved about him. So those are my three, four guys. And, you know, I kind of try to mingle in jail and mix my game, you know, to, to look similar. You know, speaking of that, when you came in the league, you were known as a shooter from day one, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of how you relate. You know, Brad is catching shoots, you know, right. um, which is a, which is an important piece to a, to a team's offense. What have you developed? This maybe not as not so obvious to others, but what parts of your game have you worked on so that you're not considered just one dimensional? Oh my ball handling, you know, it's it's imperative because if you're just a one dimensional guy, it's you're limited. You know, it's not much you can do. You know, and, and especially when playoff time comes, everybody knows what you can do. Everybody knows your plays. So if you're not able to just react on the fly put the ball on the floor and create for yourself or somebody else, you won't have success and you will be out of the league very, very fast. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be able to bring something to the table, you know, that's different than than, than the next man. And, uh, you know, you have to continue to develop your game. You can't be one-dimensional. For me, um, I had to be able to put the ball on the floor. I'm, I'm an undersized two-guard, and I couldn't just be a straight catch-and-shoot guy. You know, all of my defenders are taller. So I have to be able to put the ball on the floor, get around them, um, and create something, you know, for somebody. Yeah, you definitely have strengthened your handles, your leadership, your defense, your strapping up. Seen a lot of things. So kudos to you for continuing to elevate your game in other areas as well. A lot of people in life want to be famous, Brad, and, and maybe that was a dream as a kid, maybe not. But what's the most difficult part of being famous? Uh, if this makes any sense, I think the most difficult part of being famous is trying to get people to understand that it's difficult being famous. <laughs> Explain that. So, like, it's it's not easy. Like like I said before, I'm a human being. Like that's always my thought process. Like I don't view myself higher than you. I don't view myself as famous. I don't view myself as a celebrity. I view myself as a human being just like you. We just have different jobs and careers. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just my approach with it. But, you know, at the same time, it's 
it's kind of twofold because I do have to accept who I am. I do have to accept how the world works and, you know, how we view everybody and, you know, status and everything like that. So, um, in that way, it's kind of twofold, but, uh, it's always, you know, our life isn't what everybody thinks it is, you know, Mm -hmm. being an NBA player, it's not like, Oh, we got access to do all this, this, that, and the third. And, you know, in every wild situation scenario where everybody can come up with it, it's it's not like that at all. It is the to- it's probably the total opposite, but it's just kind of getting people to understand that aspect, understanding the financial aspect of it. That what you see in the in the headlines as my contract is, I don't have all that money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't have all that. That's not there. Yeah, um, you got an uncle named Sam, don't you? Yeah, uncle named Sam, and then a couple. Uh, Uncles that's at the state too, so they they take a, they take a couple jumps too from me. Wow, your family you you didn't know your family would grow so fast, did you? Hey, in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. And then you know, speaking of Uncle Sam, how about real family? You know, many of us have heard about celebrities having a lot of family pressure on them. Is that true? Can, yeah. What, is it true that being that celebrity, being that person who's chosen? comes with a lot of burden and, and, or pressure. Is that true? A hundred percent. Because for one, everybody came from somebody's hood. Somebody from the hood somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. I'm St. Louis, you from D.C. I'm sure you're from the hood here. I'm definitely from the hood where I'm from. And if you ask anybody in the NBA, I'm pretty sure they're from the hood where they're from. So it's like when you make it, everybody makes it. Mm. We all hear that saying. When you make it, everybody made it. So, uh, it's definitely pressure. It's pressure because it puts, you know, you as the NBA player in a situation that, yes, financially, and you probably could take care of everybody. You you definitely could, or at least a nice handful of people, and, and definitely your immediate family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also becomes a burden because now you feel like you're obligated to take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. It becomes, you know, it's not like something that, you know, me wanting to do out of the goodness and kindness of my heart. Now it's, you know, I have to do this for them. Like mm-hmm. I have to done. Like I have to put what I want on hold or do the things that I want to do on hold to make sure that everybody is good. And I mean everybody, everybody and their cousin, their baby mama, their they baby mama and the next cousin. So we mm-hmm. just it's it's just that is a lot. It's a lot. And it happens to everybody. It does. Mm-hmm. And the funniest part about it is that it will be your family. It will be your immediate family. Like there's been, there's been times it's been my immediate family and there's been times I've had to have sit downs and talks and like, yo, this is not what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, once you do it one time, you give somebody a certain amount of money. They're one expecting that to happen again. Right. And they can count on that happening again because it happened once. So, right. Um, especially if you do it randomly, like if you just do it randomly and they're like, Oh wow. Like you should do this more often. Like <laughs> that's kind of no, like I said, that, I've literally had people say that to me. Like one, I'm randomly one day just want to send you a couple hundred bucks, thousand bucks. Oh wow. You should do that more often. And it just, it, it, it blows me away. It blows yeah. me away. But you know, you do. You develop all type of relatives and friends and, you know, people who say they went to elementary school with you. Um, it's, mm. crazy. It, it's crazy. But it's it's definitely, it's a burden because it becomes, 
it becomes a lot to handle and you feel obligated to take care of everybody. And that's where a lot of players get destroyed. Wow. And I hear my man Deuce in the back saying you, you, you ain't got much longer on the podcast, by the way. Yeah. You know, what's, what's interesting too is I, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like, right? Mm-hmm. If every time I got a raise, it was on the front page of the paper or all on Twitter, social media, like if you get a raise, the whole world knows about it. Like Bradley Bill or whoever that player is gets a X amount of signing bonus and, and this amount in extension. So of course, all of the smooth, the moochers, that's what we used to call them moochers. Right. I like rubbing their hands say we did it again. <laughs> so it'd be, you know, now years from now, nobody telling them that, you know, they're not talking about all your uncles who are getting paid and all that. They just, right. You know, that's got to add some extra drama and uh, energy to the whole process. The fact that it's so public, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, I'm glad you're clarifying. It ain't all what it seems like. It ain't all. I ain't getting all that y'all hearing about. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I wish. But hey, it ain't. This is not all of it. And just My man. If it's something that all as NBA players try to get everybody to understand is it ain't there. It ain't. And we got a lot to manage ourselves. I mean, a lot of us have immediate families now, brand new families, and still trying to take care of everybody else. So it's difficult for sure. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I had a, I had a play, a guy from my church played with, his, with the San Diego Chargers, and he says, um, he says he got his first game check. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, cause, you know, he had signed. So, he, you know, the agent told him what he was be making because you got other people. Agents get their money and all that. You know, it's a whole lot of people with their hands yeah. in the kitty. Right. Uh, hands he, said, he said when he got that check, man, he almost cried in his car. And yeah. the guy said, so he would call his agent and said, what, what happened to my check? He says, oh, you first of all, about 36 percent of your check goes to pay. Dude, that's taxed. Yeah, 36%. So let's say his check was $100,000. Like, he walked, you know, at best, he, he, he walked away with 60 grand. Yeah. But it's just stuff like that that you don't know. You know, going in, like, it ain't all you think it is. So thanks for, thanks for pointing that out. Let's go, let's go to some superlative. This one called a superlative round. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you some questions that, um, that you just answer right off the cuff. First one is, Who's the best player you know that maybe we've never heard of? Somebody that's not in the league. You know, every hood has, every neighborhood got somebody who can straight do it that yeah. never got to the NBA, maybe never even played in college, but he can boogie. I got so many because I feel like it's a lot of dudes where I'm from that should have made it. Who, mm. What name stands out to you saying, man, Pastor, straight up respect? This dude can do it. You may not have ever heard of him. Wow. I would say one dude is Cam B. Shot back in my back in my hometown in St. Louis. His name is what? Cameron B. Shot. All right. Shout out to Cameron. Mm-hmm. Best player you went up against in high school. During high school, mm. 
It might have been. It was either Austin Rivers or Gilchrist. Okay, Michael Gilchrist. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna ask you for your all-time basketball team: the best point guard all time, best shooting guard all time, small forward, mm-hmm. power forward, center. And if mm-hmm. you get stuck on one, you need two. I'll give you a six man. Your best team all time. I need AI as my point guard. I need Mr. Michael Jordan as my two guard. Ah, it's three and four. Get real. You need true positions. True positions. Like, true for ah, okay. Ah, but I'm giving you a six man because I know I knew at three you was gonna get stuck. Okay, okay, that's great. Let me get. I'm gonna go LeBron at the three. Mm-hmm. The best four of all time. I'm either going. This is my four man. I'm either going Tim Duncan. I like Tim Duncan or KG as my four. And one of them got to be the six man. If you if you only got one center, then you can make one of them the six man. I take. I take Tim Duncan as my four. I think mm-hmm. I'll four to play, and um. I'm going Big Diesel as my five. My man. And who, who coming off the bench? Kevin Durant. For KD sure. KD coming off the bench. For sure. Who's he might Huh? He might start. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the killer. That three, that three position between him and Braun is tough. Yeah. Who's the biggest fair. trash talker right now in the NBA, in your opinion? You've heard it all, I'm sure. Beverly. He might have took the crown. Pat Beverly. Really? Pat wow. He'd be chirping. Yeah, he'd be chirping. <laughs> best dunker in game of all time. You said the best dunker? Yeah, in game dunker. Not dunking contests. Ooh. In game dunker. Be you know there's a difference, right? Carter was still the in game dunker. Huh? Best I mean, Carter was still the in game dunker. Yeah. To me, he was the best. Yeah. Yeah, I would people say stuff in game. The stuff try, people try to do in a dunk contest. I would say Vince easily. Like even even on top of the the, the dunk contest, put him over the top. But even the stuff that he do in game is ridiculous. Crazy, crazy. You know he play. You know he gonna play one more year. He's yeah. played in four decades. That's crazy. Incredible, incredible. Best dunk in the league right now, in your opinion? Hmm. Probably Zach Levine. Zach Levine, no question. Best handles in the league right now? Kyrie. Kyrie, for sure. Best shooter in the league right now? Steph. Respect. This is rapid fire. Gotcha. Ready? Yep. Who got the best fast fast food fries? Checkers. What? Checkers. Oh, checkers. (laughs) Yeah, they got that red stuff on them. What is that like? Um, Asian season. I don't know what it is. Asian joint. Yeah, you for sure. I I I didn't even think about them. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's one. On, it used to be one on the way to the arena from my house towards down in the arena. But anyway, I don't know where you get them from. Favorite dessert? Dessert. Uh, vanilla ice cream. All right. Favorite NFL team? St. Louis Rams. <laughs> ah. 
My man. Finish this statement. If I were not in the NBA, I'd be? I'd be a doctor. My man. Name a vegetable you love. Broccoli. Name a vegetable you hate. Um, what is that vegetable called? Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Brussels sprouts, yeah. I hate beets. I like broccoli too. Oh no, I take it back. Beets. Beets are terrible, are terrible man. Beets. Oh my God. Beets. They hot too and the and the bee juice running into the rest of your food, man. I, I on that one, man. That made me throw up, man. I don't like green peas either, to be honest with you. Um mm. three artists. On your pregame playlist during warmups, when you got your headphones on, who are three artists that are likely to be you likely to be hearing when you're warming up? J. Cole, Drake, and right now probably the Migos. Okay, Migos. Um, your opinion is Drake doing too much when he's at NBA's games on the sidelines, or is it all good? I want to say yes, he doing too much, but then again, it's like you shouldn't be paying him any attention. Like <laughs> that's his job. Like he he's obligated to do that. Like he, I mean, not obligated, but he's allowed. He's permitted to do that. Like he can heckle players all he wants as long as he don't touch nobody. So right, great game. Nice. If you ever had to change your jersey number, what mm. would it be? Hmm. Ooh. Probably eight. Eight was my USA number. Eight was your USA number? You were 23 in college, right? Yep. In the high school. And in high school. So if you were, if you got traded, which, you know, we don't know what'll happen, and mm-hmm. there was a number three on the team, are you the kind of guy that would say, man, you know, what I need to do? Depend- get that up off you, or you just move on? <laughs> it's a young boy, yeah, but if it's like a, a vet, I'll probably leave it alone. All right. Things or people that make you laugh. Things or people that make you laugh. Things or people that make me laugh. Um, things or people that make me laugh. I know it's rapid fire. I'm stuck on this one. I, I've seen you crack up. When Thomas Bryant is cutting up when you're on the bench and he do something and be all super hyped. Anything he do is, is comical. <laughs> <laughs> if you get him and Jordan McCray together, anything is comical. Gotcha, gotcha. If you were to pick a pastime between fishing and golfing, which one would you pick? Ooh, I'd pick golfing. If you had to choose between skydiving or jet skiing, which one would you pick? I'm just skiing 10 out of 10 times. I'm with you on that. I ain't jumping on no plane. Mm-hmm. If you could only pick one, which one would you pick? NBA champion or NBA Hall of Famer? Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Robert Horry or Charles Barkley? <laughs> <laughs> you never be Robert Horry. I mean, that's just not to say. That's unfair, but. That's unfair, ain't it? I don't know. It's a question, though, ain't it? 
Yeah, that's tough. You can get five rings and don't get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Be keep it real. That's legacy. That's if you legacy. could only pick one, which would you pick? 50 points in a game or 10 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists in a game? Triple double, huh? I like 50. <laughs> and I know what else people don't know you that you know what I know you thought did I win or not yeah <laughs> <laughs> whichever one I won doing yeah. pick one or the other a game winning three or a game saving block shot Ooh. it's funny I've done both mm-hmm. I won't say that game winning three is nothing like it though. Oh yeah, man, you a shooter, man. In the way in the world, you ain't want no game winning dagger. The dagger uh-huh. when the people dive on you at the end of the game. I see you in them a getting on them AAU refs. You think coaching is at some level in your future? Yes. Uh, what level? I'm unsure, but I think I so. my well, at least I'm find out if I like it. So that's kind of what you're doing this summer. That's what you yeah. Tell people what, what are you doing this summer? What, what's kind of going on in your summer? I know we're wrapping it up here. And will anybody see you in some of these summer leagues this summer? You know, for the, for the person who doesn't have the means to afford to see you up close in an NBA game, mm-hmm. is there some way they might possibly see you up close and personal? I know you. I think you're scheduled to be at the workouts in August for the FIBA USA team. But is there any mm-hmm. places you might show up that people might be able to see you play up close and personal? Uh, I rarely play in the off season, like because I try to take care of my body and fo- keep that as my focus. But I'm coaching a lot with my AAU team, and we travel the world. Um, so I think our next tournament is actually not till like July, mm-hmm. which will be in uh, Augusta, Georgia. Augusta, Georgia, size Augusta, South Carolina, like literally on the bordering beach. And uh, we're a Nike sponsored team, um, and we we go around and each. I think we have about three sessions a year. Um, and play some of the top elite talent in, in the country. You know, there's several, several bunch of talent here in D.C., several teams here that, you know, they have a lot of talent in the team I can never beat in takeover, team takeover. Um, that's here. So it's it's a lot of talent. It's a lot of it's a lot of energy. It's fun. You know, I feel like this is where I found my name and made my name, you know, in this same circuit. So, you know, it's just my way of giving back and just trying to instill in the youth, you know, becoming a man and, you know, what it takes to, you know, reach that next level. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for coming on today. Appreciate having you. How can people uh, keep up with you on social media? And is there anything you have coming up out there you like people to support or or you like people to know about anything coming up? And how can they follow you or keep up with you on social media? Oh, man, on Twitter, you can follow me, Real Deal Bill 23 um, IG, I'm Brad Bill 3 and that's it. Those are two two outlets I have. But um, man, I don't I don't necessarily have anything planned this summer. But I will be in DC a lot, so uh, I'll be I'll be trying to maneuver and figure out some things to do here and there. And I'll try, actually try to link up with you and try to do some things this summer as well. Um, you know, to get some things going in DC and get some get some established here as well um, in the community um, on that side. I love it. So, I love you thinking about doing any camps. You probably don't have time to do a camp with all of your um, the last two years AAU stuff because uh, AAU and then my sons, my 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 old lady's pregnant, so 
making sure that she's okay and taking care of her and our babies I always do during the summer. So we kind of, sometimes we're kind of out for me. So next year is definitely when I'm hoping to have one and, uh, you know, here in DC and back home. So please stay tuned and I'll definitely keep you posted. And, you know, if anything I decide to do, I'll let you know and we can, we can make it happen. Make sure everybody know about it. My man, that's Bradley Bill, y'all. And I'll see you soon, buddy. Hopefully, hopefully I'll see you soon. <laughs> hopefully I'll see you pretty regularly this year. But, you know, at the end of the day, I always want what's best for you. It ain't about mm-hmm. me, man. It's, I want what's best for all you guys at the end of the day. Any final thoughts? Anything you want to share? Any, uh, if not, we're going to roll with that. Oh, Thank man, y'all. This- man, I'm sorry, I'm was- right I would say the final thing I would say is um, realize what you have, Mm. you know, realize what you have, whether it be your family members, where you are in your life, good or bad. Um, Just embrace every situation you're in. And I think that's something that I've learned throughout this year. And it's helped me in a variety of ways. You know, you have to embrace your struggles. You have to embrace um, your success, you know, and handle them accordingly. And if you don't handle them the right way, you know, things can turn for the bad. And, you know, your downs can continue to go down and your success can, you know, take you on the path to being down. So it's just always being appreciative of where you are. Um, appreciate what you have. Always strive to, you know, to do more and be better, and, you know, to help the person next to you. And, you know, just always remember that you serve one person and one person only, and that's the Almighty God. So, mm-hmm. everything you do, make sure it's for Him, and uh, never forget to give your thanks and praises because that, I'm pretty sure that's something we, we all forget to do probably on a day. So, just make sure we continue to thank Him and praise Him. Just realize what you have. It's a good word, man. Real good word. Thank you for that. That helped me. Amen. Help me. I appreciate that. Because I'm, I, you know, God has given all of us a lot. And I think the key is not only appreciate it, but don't do something stupid to mess it up. You know what I mean? Because, yep. you know, we all have a stupid gene in us, too. <laughs> so, um, especially as men and with all the temptations out here in the world, um, it's easy to blow it. So, thanks for that word, man. And thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. And thank all of you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Keith Battle Podcast. Thank you so much to Bradley Emmanuel Beal, number three, NBA All-Star, the man mm-hmm. from St. Louis, who gave us some wisdom today, gave us some insight into being famous, what it's like to be in the league, what it's like to be in an environment where there are only 400 jobs and 60 of them are tr- 60 people turning over every year. Uh, he knows what it's like to be under pressure and to continue to excel at a high level. Thank you, man, for sharing your time. And thank all of you for tuning in this week. And we'll catch you back here next time, right here on the Keep Battle Podcast.